Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. With your host, Andrew Donaldson, this is Heard Tell. Oh, welcome back to Hurt Tell, I'm Andrew Donaldson. Okay, been looking forward to getting him on the show for a while. He's become quite a good Twitter buddy. We talk about things offline. We're going to do it on Main today, as those kids say. Uh, Peter Pischke, he's a Young Voices contributor, freelance journalist, a long, long list of credits as far as his writing goes. You can find him all over the place. We're going to talk about a couple of his pieces. As always, they will be linked in the show notes. Peter, how are you, my friend? Good to see you. Great to be here. Howdy, everyone. Uh, glad to have you in. We want to start big picture because we're going to talk about two parts of media that and I'm guilty about this, too, because I'm a little bit older and I, I still grew up on the tail end of no Internet, early Internet in the 90s. We tend to look at these two mediums as somewhat niche or as just social media or message boards, but they're way bigger than that. And we want to get into them with two pieces you wrote today, Reddit and YouTube. Um, let's start with YouTube, because I don't think people maybe realize YouTube is actually, when you step back and look for it, I know it's all user-based. This is really one of the biggest media platforms in the world right now. Oh, easily. YouTube is, for all intents and purposes, the largest um, open uh, video platform on the net. Arguably, you could say uh, Baidu over there in China is bigger, but uh, I don't know if I trust those numbers. But yeah, it's it's huge. And to give it a little bit of perspective, you know, when you think about a news site, if you look at like the traffic per site like Salon, a fairly popular uh, left-wing kind of blog website, they track their views, the, the number of clicks they get in the millions. And so they say, oh, we had a, a 5 million a week or we had a 30 million a month. Well, for many YouTubers who are considered just middle-level YouTubers, say the gaming YouTuber, the quartering, he sometimes gets that every two weeks. And that, uh, you know, look at even the the huge ones like PewDiePie. I mean, they're getting that sometimes per video. So uh, YouTube in so many ways really is the dominant way people um, communicate and digest information, not just like real news, but, you know, all kinds of fun topics. Yeah, we got some data here. Pew found out almost a quarter of people that use YouTube say they get their primary source of news, not networks, not websites. Their primary source of news is YouTube. Now, all major news outlets have YouTube pages now. Uh, we clip them often. We use them all the time. Uh, these house hearings, for example, that's all streamed on YouTube now. This is a culture shift that we've seen it in real time, but I don't think we've fully vested, and you've talked about it in some of your writing, I don't think we've fully vested what this changed and how people access and interpret information though have we no no i and i think this is something that um both people in conservative media and mainstream media for the most part don't 
quite understand yet there because the people that become journalists they come from a, a point of view in a certain background where they don't really connect with um the more popular uh, underculture so people like you know even though i disagree with their reporting often uh, like taylor lorenz to people like ben shapiro there are those that understand that really we are living in a new media ecosystem and it's just uh most of uh news media has yet to catch up we got data on this too peter's joining us on herd tell and here's why that works and i'm going to try to walk through this from a numbers point of view and then we'll talk about the cultural aspect but what you just said somebody like taylor lorenz who's you know they've already got a massive platform was at the new york times now at the washington post you know big time big j journalist places here's why this works this way 62% of all internet users go on YouTube daily. That's an astonishing number, but here's the one that makes that number more important. Um, the visitors that come on the YouTube, 99% of YouTube users are also on other social media platforms. You got into this with your Reddit article. You got into this with your YouTube article. The thing about YouTube is, and I've got, look, this show's on a YouTube channel. My radio station partner, they're on a YouTube channel. You've got a Substack which links to YouTube. YouTube has really yeah. become the hub for media and it goes everywhere else. That's the part of that that people don't really think about is 99% of YouTubers, they're either getting there through social media or going somewhere else through social media again. No, it, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a reinforcing ecosystem that uh, is pretty powerful. Um, it, it doesn't really necessarily need the more traditional places like uh, news outlets. Uh, it's like this whole different universe. And it, what's so interesting is it's this universe that's much bigger than the, the traditional media universe, but that's not how people like to think of it. Now, part of what you were writing about when you got into Act Man and some of this other thing is we are trying to apply traditional rules to this new media, uh, copyright rules. Everybody knows that our YouTube users, even somebody like me that doesn't fully understand it, even though I've got my channel on there, I got bit by it. I, I had a clip grabbed because they didn't like something I said. And I, I appealed. And I'm like, I didn't even say what you said I said. And, it, you know, it's an algorithm. There's nothing you can do about it. Yep. Part of the problem with this platform, I know we talk about biases. People talk about bannies and all this. Part of it is, though, we're just applying old rules to a new medium. And we're still kind of in the early, even though we've had YouTube for 10, 12 years now, we're still in this infancy of trying to figure out what the rules for this thing ought to be and the old rules don't really apply real nice and neat do they no they and in fact the way that youtube is set up often um the rules that we might abide by get in the way of doing good work on youtube or getting traffic um and sometimes it's the other way around where youtube might be more authentic than maybe some of the more uh clicky soundbite news outlets like your local news it's interesting they they don't quite cover each other one-to-one -one and the standards are a little different i like to think of youtube as kind of like the early years of american journalism where it's a lot more free form you have all kinds of things coming your way there is a lot of great work and there are very serious people there but there's also you know some flamethrowers people who like to stir the pot <laughs> now i'm a history guy peter pisky joining us on Hertel. Uh, I'm a history guy. I know you're, as a journalist, you're a little bit of a history guy too, because that just kind of goes hand in hand. I know the early American journal, we had yellow journalism. We had uh, stuff that now wouldn't even pass as tabloid stuff that would be illegal with the current libel laws. Some of the stuff they did back then, you dealt with it with your act man piece a little bit. Part of the problem with YouTube is you have a lot of bad faith actors. You have people that know how to uh, hijack the system for lack of better way of doing it. To, for nefarious means. And part of the problem here is YouTube 
a lot of the times, and I'm going to give them a little bit of benefit of a doubt here. I know people will jump on this. They don't seem to be able to really tell the difference between those good faith actors and the bad faith actors sometimes, do they? No, nor does it seem like they want to because they, social media companies in Silicon Valley, they want questionable deniability. So for one, giving too much information to people. So like there are clear rules of the road, what will get you banned, what won't. That doesn't work for them. It goes the other direction. They don't necessarily want every little piece of information because like you see, maybe with the Elon Musk, um, his argument with Twitter, well, I don't really need to, don't really want to know about the Twitter bot traffic right now because, you know, later on, if I get asked about this, that could hurt me. So, and frankly, there's, the, the capabilities are there. You know, YouTube can tell you by the second who's watching what, how much, and why. But uh, that isn't information they ever released to the public. Because, and this is something throughout social media, we're not just picking on YouTube here. They're an information company first and then a video company second. But we don't understand that because we just want the content. We just want to watch our views. That's why their priorities are different, isn't it? That, that is a big, a very big part of it. It's a YouTube and Silicon Valley tech companies uh, with social media. Their business model is way different than the the front they put up. For YouTube, if they were just a video service company, they, they lose money every year. The majority of YouTubers do not produce enough revenue to offset the cost of like servers, legal, etc. Don't I know? <laughs> it, it, it's it's so they make their money on things like um, cloud, cloud having you know having a lot of influence. That helps. They make a lot of money on uh, ads, of course. That's when everyone knows. They make a lot of money on selling data and information. Um, it's interesting because it, it's weird because these are such big, powerful companies, you think. But in some ways, the, their revenue stream is fairly fragile. Not only fragile, they get dinged because they seem to make certain decisions and then you have a public outcry and then they adjust it. Talk about your Act Man piece for a second. It's on your Happy Warrior Substack. We will link to it. Make sure you go subscribe to this Substack. He does great work there. Thank you. This is a good, this is kind of a good example of this because here you had a guy that was trying to expose a bad faith actor, got himself banned, and then they had to turn around and put him back on. And yet the bad faith actor just just kind of run us through this story because it really is kind of a microcosm of some of that background we just walked through of they have a business model and the business model conflicts with the content. So the content side, we're seeing it one way, they're seeing it another way. Just why was this such a good example of what some of the problems and some of the good stuff of YouTube is? Okay, so so uh, the, the TLDR as it is, the TLDR. Uh, Kelly Van Act is a YouTuber known as the Act Man. He runs uh, what he's popular for a long form gaming documentary videos. He kind of has a, his online presence is kind of like a gaming bro, but he's actually a pretty nice guy. Um, so there is another YouTuber that is well known in the community for causing problems. And I don't mean just mean like complaining on Twitter, like legal problems. This uh, YouTuber abuses the copyright system. Uh, constantly, a real copyright troll. Um, he threatens people with legal action. He puts out spurious accusations that might get people in big trouble, like he'll try to allege that they're a pedophile. He's more than happy to try to use his followers to cause all kinds of uh, offline, online mischief. A uh, really nasty guy, all things considered. Uh, YouTube name, Quantum TV. Anyhow, so Quantum TV had been going after a teenage YouTuber. Uh, Kelly uh, had the had 
the teenager reach out to him because Actman is known, despite his gaming bro personality, as being just a pretty nice guy that's willing to help out if you ask. And so he looked into it and it was it was pretty egregious. So he, he just did a video kind of making fun of the guy on his Elden Ring review. And then that opened the floodgates. It's, it started with threats and strange emails. Um, and eventually it culminated in having his mom threatened. The guy do, uh, doxed him called up his mom, uh, threatened her, say, hey, if you don't get your son on board and in control, you know, maybe we're going to have to pursue legal action, um, which kind of shook up their family. So um, maybe unwisely, uh, Axeman then put together a video documenting Quantum TV, all his bad acts and why, according to the rules of YouTube, and it's very well done, actually, and pretty clear why Quantum TV should not be on the platform. Now, when this happened and it became popular online, YouTube did not say, oh, gee, Willie <laughs> Willikers, you're right, Act Man. This is a problem. We should, we should do something about it. They said, no, Act Man, bad. Don't point this stuff out. So they, they took down his channel. They, they banned him first on his videos saying it was sexually suggestive. There's nothing whatsoever in it. It was PG content. Um, then later on when they got more pressure, they complained and say, maybe it was these tweets that was about that, that they took him down or he was encouraging harassment, which he wasn't, but really it was about that. He had embarrassed YouTube. And even though Kelly, his channel had never had a copyright strike on him, had never broke the rules. He had always had a very good and professional relationship with YouTube. They took him down. It wasn't like you get three strikes. He's just, you're out. And uh, it was unknown what, what exactly was going on, and he seemed pretty despondent. Yeah, just in the last week, YouTube um, let him back in the partner program with limited remonetization, and we don't know how that's going to happen or why exactly they brought him back on. But, it, but it's a scary thing because it shows that the rules that YouTube has or any of these social media companies, they are rules for the public to see, but they're not rules in actuality. There, there's the front rules that they show everyone, and then there's the rules in the back, which they actually follow. And we're not going to tell people what exactly those are. So it, it, is a, it is a scary story in the sense that you, it's really unknown what you can do or not do on these platforms. And if you're someone like Kelly, who put in seven years of his life building his channel, that's his livelihood for him and his family. And they can just pull the plug at any minute for any reason. Well, that's, that, that's a difficult thing. Uh, so it's, so it is a messy story and, uh, it talks about some of the, the, the censorship issues are there. And as you allude to, it also shows that YouTube is in a hard spot. They, they constantly are balancing all kinds of concerns, not, I mean, of course they have legal concerns and they have every government on planet earth breathing down their neck. And why aren't you doing more about this? And why are you more doing more about that? But they also have to deal with all these users, many of whom want to abuse the system or, or take strange advantage. And it's, you know, difficult to make money. But even with all those concerns, I, in this case, they didn't really handle it forthrightly, in my opinion. Yeah, and you also worked in a sort of Damocles uh, reference. Always appreciate a good Greek reference in there. Well done. Talking to Peter Pitschke, uh, we're going to continue to talk about this. We're also going to get into Reddit. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, come back. Her Tell Show continues right after this.
Tell. I'm Andrew Donaldson. That's Peter Piskey, uh, freelance journalist, Young Voices contributor, really good guy. Make sure you're subscribing to his Substack, Happy Warrior. He's got writing all over the place. Just follow him at the social media. You can see it on the screen there if you're on our YouTube. Let, let's wrap up the Ackman thing this way, though, because you just talked about him having seven years of his life into this. He has a lot invested into it. But that's also part of the problem here is that's probably the only reason he survived and came back from this. How many users are just smaller account? Like, you know, when I had my when I got my strike for no good reason, legitimately, like there wasn't anything there. You don't even get that. You just get the automated, you know, you put in a review and it's back in three seconds because it's all automated. It's like, well, no, just live with it. You have no recourse. Mm -hmm. He at least had a little bit of recourse. How many users out there aren't even getting that much? I, I would say it's probably considering how big the platform it's probably millions. Um, it's a little bit like the shadow ban problem on places like Twitter or Facebook is because they hold all the cards and they know the data. It's hard to prove when your traffic goes down for legitimate reasons versus when YouTube's messing with the algorithm. But yeah, political content in particular um, has been under a lot of strikes, but not just health content. Um, sometimes the content really is totally unpolitical in nature is relatively inoffensive, but maybe YouTube feels it's um, too much e-drama. Uh, and sometimes it's just no reason you can figure out whatsoever. <laughs> You're just like, there's nothing offensive here at all, YouTube. I don't understand. And then they're just like, you know, it's just talking to a wall. Uh, it's frustrating. To, to be it's fair frustrating. to the social media companies, though, how much of this did COVID just really screw it up? Because normally you wouldn't, because they build their platforms, probably no engineer in the world ever thought, well, we're going to have to really, really uh, sort through health content. Like they didn't think that was going to be a big cultural thing. That's not something an engineer that's designing the platform probably ever dreamed they would have to do just on a practical level, like the coding, the play that that's a huge curveball for a big platform is like all of a sudden, Oh, we have to figure out not only what vaccines are, but what our DNA, like that's, that's a big, big curveball for these kind of companies, isn't it? Yes. And, and being asked to be to be the speech police when that is not what the web, as we know, was really built upon that that takes a whole that takes a lot of their time. Um, COVID in particular, you mentioned it. What COVID did to places like YouTube, YouTube especially, is that it gave Silicon, you know, whether you want to call this an excuse or it was business sense, it gave uh, YouTube the opportunity to downsize the amount of humans it had covering YouTube. And they could just up the amount of bots that were doing that same work, uh, which, which of course means it takes longer for you to get back from a human and more people are automatically flagged down legitimately and uh, not so much. Yeah. Peter Pisky joining us. Let's talk Reddit for a minute. Love to. Let's start it. Let's start lowest level. I always like to do nomenclature. So everybody knows what we're talking about for somebody that has no idea what it is. Just briefly, what is Reddit? And I know that's a that's one of those college questions of like, you know, explain God and give two examples. But just real quick, what is Reddit <laughs> to the average person? Because it is a message board and that, but it's really culturally ingrained way, way more than just that now. Reddit in many ways is is kind of the heart of what the internet what the internet people like to think it is. It it's it's like kind of like old school message boards, but it covers just about any topic. It's uh, one website. It's divided into subreddits, and then each subreddit is a is a topic. Sometimes they're funny, sometimes they're serious, sometimes you know you can find a subreddit topic on just about anything. But what makes Reddit special is it came from that time in the web where the idea was we're going to allow the people, the users, to um, put out the content to talk about the topics that they care about and want to, and, and there won't be, you know, uh, top-down control. 
for the most part, unless it's like serious illegal, Reddit used to, for the most part, just let it be. Uh, that is not the case anymore, but it is an important website because if you're a normal person and you feel an issue or a topic that you care about is important, anyone can go on Reddit. They go to the, the subreddit, they put, they write a post. And if you do well, you'll get lots of upvotes. It's, it's actually pretty democratic and, and a special site in that way, even with all the issues it still has. Yeah. And as somebody that runs a website, a writing website at ordinary-times.com for the better part of four years now, uh, people are like, well, what does Reddit matter? I'm telling you Reddit matters because the right subreddit gets a hold of a piece. It can make a video or a writing piece or even just a picture, whatever. Those Some of those subreddits are so big, they can instantly make something go viral. So yeah, it is. I look, I'm one of them. I don't fully understand Reddit. I don't use Reddit. There's a lot of ick on Reddit. Let's just be upfront mm-hmm. about that. There True. is because it is. I know some of it they're moderating now, but it's still pretty much the Wild West of the Internet over there because it's text form and you can text things. It's harder than like a picture. That's how you go viral online is if you get the right Reddit thread going in a big hurry. So, yeah, it really does matter, especially when you're talking about a news item or a breaking news item or an Internet rumor or the ever popular on Reddit conspiracy theory, right? <laughs> yes. Oh, no, there's there's lots of serious stuff, but there's also a lot of there's just a lot of memes and uh, crap posting, <laughs> all kinds of fun stuff. I I I I'm a, a fairly frequent Reddit user, more reader than a poster. But, you know, I've found information or found contacts or helped c- connect facts and stories from help from other Redditors. It's a very useful site. I know a lot of journos, especially who are on like the digital media bait, use Reddit pretty frequently to help put up story ideas. So it, it's an influential site. It's, uh, it's uh, in North America, it's usually a top 10 site. Yeah. Now compare it. We just talked about YouTube. You also wrote about Reddit. Compare and contrast the two when it comes to banning content. What's the same? Because the the overall problem is kind of still the same is, okay, when does content rise to the point that the whoever the platform is doesn't want to be responsible for it to the water world? That's the basic problem. That's a universal problem. What's the same and what's different between what we just talked about with YouTube and other social media and Reddit in particular? The commonality between the two is an ethos that they don't want to get in trouble for anything and they're not quite sure what that is. Part of them is because Silicon Valley is full of extremely left-wing people who are very uh, vocal and active in their views and how they should be enforced. Now, other part of it is we live in an era right now where governments, especially the U.S. government, feel that these companies should be doing their bidding. So instead of trying to pass a law or some regulation, they're going to put pressure on these tech companies to enforce what they believe are the correct social and political views. It's similar in the sense that Reddit and YouTube vote right now, they're trying to figure out ways where they will have to rely less on users and rely less on messy comments and and all and the drama and all the problems that come with that. Uh, they're different in the way that they're doing it. Uh, Reddit, because it's ruled by moderators, Reddit got really clever where they were going to put pressure on the people who would moderate the subs. Uh, and they would they would put uh, like kind of like YouTube. Where I said there's a secret set of rules in one of these articles. That's literally what happened. Where they this one subreddit um, that w- didn't start that way, but ended up being basically covering um, trans exclusionary content or or talking about the topic with um, the gender issues people were about today. And they were telling these people behind the scenes, "Hey, why aren't you censoring that? Why aren't you blocking that?" And they were like, "Because it's not against the rules. Here are the rules." you gave us 
there's nothing on here that says anything about we're like, well, no, if you don't, if you don't get rid of that, if you don't do something about it, we're going to take you down. And guess what? <laughs> they took them down. Uh, it, it's it's kind of crazy. I, I, I'm not, when it comes to the internet, I'm very libertarian. I'm like, Hey, you know, as long as people aren't breaking the law, I don't see the problem too much. Uh, and just, you know, let things be, that's how the internet used to be. And that's how both sides basically looked at the internet. But these days it's a different world and there is a very strong viewpoint. And unfortunately they are the people that are often in charge or working at these companies where they should be proactive people to try to, um, control or prod a society to go in certain directions. And for one, I disagree with it because maybe I'm just an old school kind of Democrat in those views. And another, I just don't like being proud of it. I don't think I don't think many people do. Yeah, fair enough. Peter Pitsky joining us. Uh, put your journalist hat on for me for a second real quick. Um, I don't think news media and I'm, I'm qualifying that as kind of the traditional news media networks, talking heads and their affiliated websites, that traditional media, big J journalism media. I don't think they do a great job of covering the internet. And I understand they're on the internet and it's ingrained in what they're doing. But when it comes to things like YouTube and Reddit and now TikTok and kind of the uh, Twitch is a great example of this now where that's the fastest growing political platform in America and almost nobody seems to know it because it's not covered on mainstream. They don't seem to be able to keep up with the bleeding edge of this stuff as well. As a journalist, if you could just have, you know, you're having your journalist convention in a spot, you know, unrequited place. What do you tell them? Like, here's something we need to do better at when we're covering things like YouTube, like Reddit, like bands, like content moderation. I would say you need to try to pay attention to where the eyeballs actually are. And you probably should try to understand why it's important instead of just being like, you know, um, you know, uh, being like the old uh, Sunday school mom, like, ooh, you know, uh, think of the children. Yeah, maybe take a second, take a deep breath, try to understand why this appeals to people. Um, you know, I mentioned Taylor Lorenz earlier in here. She's kind of a Twitter friend. You know, I disagree with her often, but she is one of these people that does understand that where where people are actually communicating with media and news media can either try to keep appealing to people to a, a, sh a shrinking audience, even with Fox News, you know, it, it's the biggest of the news networks, but, you know, population wise, it, it's shrinking. Um, so this is kind of like the new world and news media, you know, if you ignore it, if, if you fail to take advantage of it, well, then that affects um, your company and the work you're going to do at your own peril. Yeah. And Taylor Lorenz, for folks that want to say, oh, well, how does she matter? The last two breaking stories she did, especially this last one that she did, that was the top thing that Washington Post had this entire year. And you think of all the the noise and the news stuff that we've had this year. That was one of the biggest trending things they've had for the entire year for multiple days, which is just gold in journalism. I, I, if I can, if I, I cannot tell you how many times uh, in the last two, three years where I've tried to cover more tech stories about the internet, how many times you approach an editor and, and I love all the people I work with and they're amazing. I have no complaints, but you know, that they often just don't see the people. They're like, look, this is just a story about a beef between two YouTubers. Oh, this is just a story about some, some small subreddit drama. It doesn't really matter. And I, I understand that point of view. And I can say if you're a news outlet, if you get to, get to pick out a certain amount of stories you can cover, you can't cover everything. But these things are much more impactful than we think. And it's really where people's hearts are. And whether that's 
right or not, or whether that's uh, mature or not, or whatever you want to think um, digesting news, consuming news should be, that that is the reality of the situation. And as someone that uh, kind of feels like um, as a reporter or a journalist, you always want to tell the truth, but you also need to keep an eye on what people are interested in and where the big things are happening. And it, that's, that is where it's happening on the internet. Um, yeah, as a really wise person told me a little while back when I first started doing this, it was like thing to remember about journalists is they don't understand they're the original content creators. They just don't want to think of themselves that way. I was like, ah, that's a that's an yep. interesting way to put it. Peter Pitsky, great stuff today. Love having you on. We will be having you back, my friend. But until we get you back Happy on the to. show, yeah, until we get you back, though, let folks know where they can follow you, what you got going on. We know your Substack. We're going to link to it, but give it, give us the pitch on that. Let folks know about your social media and how they can keep up with you in the meantime. Yeah. So uh, there's the Happy Warrior Substack. We are working on bringing back the podcast again. Um, you can follow me. I'm often on Twitter at Happy Warrior P. I'm also on Facebook and other places. Uh, I freelance. So you can find my my culture stuff on the Federalist, but I write more newsy stuff like with Newsweek or, oh, my mind is blanking, Reason Magazine, some others elsewhere. And at the moment, I'm working with uh, your news org. Uh, to on a piece about the Elon Musk situation, which I'm excited to uh, get completed on. And, and I love doing good journalism. It always makes me happy when people connect and are like, hey, I love this piece, or I have some <laughs> constructive criticism. Okay, not always do I appreciate that, but often I do. Uh, and and just that's really all I want in, in my life and in the world. I just want to do good journalism that helps people, and that's what makes me happy. Yep. He's a great writer. He's a good journalist. He's one of those good freelance guys you need to support. He's becoming a pretty good friend. We want to make him a regular on our programming and on our platforms. Peter Pitsky, great job, buddy. We'll talk again real soon. Thank you. You too. Thank you, sir. America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu.